Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America Wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 1233 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer at the Battle of Alberta Golf Tournament, the Red Deer Golf and Country Club, an event that. Uh, has the support of both uh, Alberta NHL franchises, the Calgary Flames, as well as the Edmonton Oilers. This is Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. It's the greatest steak you've ever had, whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town. Every meal is on occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. It is open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until 10. Tell Brendan... Taylor and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. As we head off to our Oilers now headliner for Wilhawk beef jerky, it just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk W I L H A U K today. We uh, welcome back to the show uh, for his final appearance of the 2021 season. A man who's just returned from Italy. He worked the NHL draft show and then headed off to Italy for a week. Former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning, now with the NHL Network, Brian Lawton. Hi, Brian. How you doing? That is true. I, I almost worked day two of the draft. I had to leave by the uh, sixth round. It took so long. So almost got it all in. I, You know, it's funny you mention that uh, because uh, Jack uh, Michaels and myself have made it a sport to be out of the second round of the NHL draft by the sixth round to make sure we can fly back uh, for wherever the draft is uh, back at Everton that night. And I don't know about you, but I'm thinking because guys don't have flights to catch anyway, that that's part of the reason why. I, and I know there were some things technically, Brian, that needed to be done because the draft was done on Zoom. But that draft was the longest draft. I mean, that was like an NFL draft from the 1950s, man. It took forever. It was the second and third round where it really went sideways, which shouldn't happen because everybody's lists are pretty tight at that stage. But there were so many timeouts and things like that. And and it's funny because I went into that day saying, you know, guys, I have a flight to go to Europe. I'm literally leaving at such and such a time. We're booked from uh, 11 to 2. We've already made it 11 and 3. I'm out at 4. And everybody's like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll be over by then for sure. I was like, okay, but just so you know, I'm on a flight. And lo and behold, I ended up staying. I got to the airport 36 minutes before my flight. Oh, come and on. Took no, and, and took no luggage to Europe. I kid you not. The, I took my let, backpack. They let you on the plane with that, flying to Italy from the U.S.? I'm already checked in. I was at JFK. I just went through, you know, I've got advanced, whatever, global, clear, you you name it. I was literally there at 36 minutes before the flight. It's crazy. We're joined by Brian Lawton, the number one overall pick, 1983 NHL entry draft. Started up Octagon's hockey agency, was the general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning from the NHL Network. All right, Brian, you've had some time to assess the uh, free agency moves. Um, the Edmonton Oilers get Zach Hyman. Uh, they lose Adam Larson to the Seattle Kraken, but sign Cody Cece. I talked to Brian Burke last night a bit about Cody. Uh, Brian's down here at this event in Red Deer, and uh, will be at the toast of the town at Edmonton tomorrow as well. Uh, so Edmonton get, brings back Tyson Berry. 
They get Cody Cece to replace Adam Larson, completely different player, but, you know, in that spot. They also elect to trade Ethan Bear uh, and uh, bring in Warren Fogle and sign him to a three-year contract extension. Year overall, and Edmonton signs Derek Ryan as well. Give me your overall assessment on the Oilers' body of work. Uh, it was a very busy summer or off season or whatever you want to call it. That's for sure for Edmonton. Didn't like the way the Adam Larson deal kind of went down. That one, I think, uh, you know, really just threw everybody for a loop. I think the feeling was that he would come back in the end. He didn't come back and it set the team off on a path where I think they actually recovered quite nicely. I was pretty concerned at that point as to what direction they were going to go in. Um, when you look at the totality of everything, I think they're a better team this year for sure. Always have a little bit of concern on the goaltending whenever you're relying on a guy that's uh, tipping the 40 number in terms of age. That's concerning. Uh, but I love that they added. It's funny because this is such a young players league and Edmonton has young players, obviously, like like Bouchard, like Broberg like Holloway, that are going to be pushing for jobs and big-time jobs, I think, certainly by the end of next year. But at the same time, you know, they added some veteran players. And just a guy like Duncan Keith, who I know has not been well-received by the analytics community, I think he's going to pay huge dividends for them. And I say that because I think some of his veteran leadership is an intangible that doesn't show up anywhere, and I think it's going to be huge for a team that could use that. I really believe that. They've got two great superstars, but uh, it never hurts to have some guys that have been through the wars in the past. So when I look at the totality of it, I expect Edmonton to be back in the playoffs. We can just say it right now. And I expect them to be in a much better position to compete in the playoffs because I haven't really seen that the last couple of years where I felt like they were a threat. I still think they'll have to make some adjustments at the trade deadline. But where they stand right now, I think it's pretty darn good. All right. Uh, Edmonton finished 12th and 11th the last two seasons in the regular season. Got bounced in four by Chicago, a veteran-experienced team, even though Chicago had an influx of young players like Kirby Dock and Alex DeBrinkett. They still have that, that core leadership there. And then this year, the Oilers lose three overtime games to the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I want to specifically focus first on Hyman and Fogle. And I guess to a lesser extent, Derek Ryan, because he's going to be a three slash four C for them. But how does the Edmonton's dynamic on the left side change from your perspective with the additions of Hyman and Fogel? Well, I mean, Zach Hyman was a little bit of the prize of the of the free agent world, and I, I think everybody kind of knew he had some close connections with Edmonton, so it always looked good for them. Still, another thing to get that done. So I'm sure they feel good about it. Uh, he's a Swiss Army knife. You can use him literally anywhere in the lineup, and he will be elite in that role. Um, so to me, he, he really is an enormous piece for them. Just gives them that much more depth in their top six. You're going to have to use them there ultimately because of the salary you're paying him. Uh, that had to be done if you wanted to get him. That's just the price of rice in the National Hockey League right now. So I love that, and I love the addition of Warren Fogle, uh, a guy that comes in under $3 million. That's good in this world and gives them just a higher grade of player in their top nine, uh, something that I felt like has really been lacking the last few years. So 
so when you look at that left side, it's uh, it, it, it's looking much better, in my opinion, than it did last year. It's interesting, Brian. We've seen uh, some defensemen get big contracts here over the course of the last week and a half to two weeks. Uh, Darnell Nurse was out there actively recruiting uh, for the Oilers with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. His deal is up. Uh, every year that he's got is in free agency. Okay, so his he's going into his final second year of a two-year bridge deal at five point six million. That is his last non-free agency year. So when the Oilers go to resign him, every year he's going to be a free agent. If you're Edmonton, are you better off signing him to a short-term deal at four years, or is there something to be said for getting paying the price, understanding that the player lived up to it and you know emerged as a legitimate top-pairing NHL defenseman, and understanding you're going to have to pay in a long term because you did bridge him a couple times along the way, but you're also if he's here and he's committed. In four or five years from now, when you're doing dry settle and McDavid, oh by the way, if you long-term nurse. Maybe that's part of the conversation that Darnell has at that point with Connor and Leon. What do you think of that rationale? A couple of thoughts on that. First off, when you have a player that's 26 and, you know, our free agency used to be a beautiful thing for for clubs, not necessarily for players in the NHL because you own their rights to 31. And that was the prime of players' careers. didn't matter what position, just the way it was. And you have a guy like Darnell, if he would go four years – there would be a lot of value in controlling him to 30 years old. I really believe that. And yet, when you have a guy like him that's committed, that you may be able to go to and say, look, we've already made some bets on this team that we're going to get over the hump. We've given out some long-term contracts. We've got long-term status still on McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, with Darnell, if you can somehow give him longer term, and I mean eight years, and buy down his AAV with what they have going on, the totality of it, if you believe in this team, that would be a really prudent decision. If that number is going to be like Dougie Hamilton's number, though, I would rather go short term, to be honest with you. If you're in Ken Holland's shoes, if you're in Anton Thun's shoes, you're looking at Dougie Hamilton, and you're looking at uh, maybe a better example, Seth Jones. And are, are you are you saying, "Hey, my guy's got to be here"? Is that how the agent would look at it? A hundred percent. I would resist that on the offensive numbers that you've seen so far from Darnell, and he showed incredible. First of all, Darnell has hit a, a level that if you'd asked me three years ago, I'd say no way was he going to hit this level. Um, I just didn't think he necessarily had it in him, and yet when you really dive into everything about him and how he trains and the work he puts in and the time he puts in, you, you can see that he has gotten the most out of himself, and you got to tip your cap to any player that does that. Darnell has made himself into an elite player, it was not a guarantee, in my opinion, three or four years ago that he was going to be an elite defenseman. So now for Ken Holland, it's a, it's a difficult challenge to say, okay, how much higher can he take it? Because if you're going to hit anything with a nine in it, you're going to expect even more performance than he's given. And his performance has been really good. So it's a slippery slope. Um, I'd be looking long-term, find, figuring out if he wants to be there. I always look at the total amount that a guy has earned in his career 
to me, it's it's always interesting. Darnell has not earned a lot of money yet in his career, under $15 million. But if you look at an eight-year deal and you could put $50 million in his pocket and you sat there and said, you're going to make $65 million minimum in this game, uh, I think a lot of players will look at that as a win. Um, I'm going to guarantee he's going to get it, like it's going to be at least eight and a half to nine million bucks on an on an eight year deal, Brian. I just okay. I don't see how because well, if he's not there on you go, it, then you're talking seventy five million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Minimum. I just now yeah. yeah now you're also you know you have to weigh the there's nothing worse than you know you look at the contracts of Carlson and, and Dowdy who have been yeah. great players in this league that but aren't now and they're a little bit gross for some right. of those teams. And I don't mean grosses in there are bad people or anything like, like that. I mean, yep. in the expenditure, strictly intangible. Uh. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Of a fungible object that is, it, it doesn't feel great for those clubs, and that's what you have to be careful with. Uh, this text has come in, and I'm going to ask you, since you've been in that chair, Bob, can you ask Brian Lott what he thought of, from a GM's perspective about Dubas playing hardball with uh, Holland regarding the rumored sign-and-trade? So, of course, the belief was the Leafs were looking for a second-rounder, uh, worst-case scenario, third-rounder uh, for the Oilers to, to, to get Zach Hyman. And Ken Holland said, well, I'm not giving that up. I'm going to just sign him to a seven-year deal instead of an eight-year deal. And so the difference of like 400000 per year, because we believe it was eight times 5.125. What's your take on that? Uh, for Kyle, I think he needed to put a little bit of a stake in the ground. I felt like he got whacked pretty hard by Nylander on how he handled that original deal. And I felt like it's hurt him a little bit. He absolutely had grounds. He's looking at a at a cash chart and saying, I'm going to save you X amount of money, therefore you have to pay me a certain amount. Um, it should have been worked out. Now Ken's sitting there looking at it and going, well, you're not going to get anything if we don't agree. So somewhere in there, there should have been a deal from Toronto's perspective, from Ken's perspective. I don't blame him at all in terms of where he was at. I think that Kyle should have made a deal. and He pushed it really hard. You've got to do that. You want to do that. You're you're the guardian of your team, Toronto. Right. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to go home and go, all right, well, I pushed it really hard, but I didn't get anything out of it. I would have liked to see them make a deal. I think it would have been better for Toronto. And yet I understand in some other instances – there hasn't been that gumption for Kyle, and I think it's it's hurt their club and it's hurt his reputation with other guys. So a lot to unpack there in terms of what he's trying to manage, but uh, ultimately it, it would have been in their best interest to get something for Zach, even if it wasn't quite what he wanted. And, Brian, you, you because you've been on both ends of this, well, actually all three ends of this, you've been a player, you've been an agent, and you've been a GM. The whole situation that occurred with uh, – with the uh, uh, Kelly McCrimmon and 
the Marc-Andre Fleury, were you surprised there was no quicker resolution in a lap? In terms of, like, they didn't notify. Why would they not have notified Alan Walsh? Or, for that matter, Marc-Andre Fleury that they were going to trade him? Also a slippery slope, to be fair to the general managers. Don't like the way that one played out, just because Mark has had a rough ride there as it is, the way things have gone. Um, so you would have hoped that that would be pristine. You'd be really clean on notifications. Kelly was pretty uh, pretty straightforward that, look, I talked to him. What you can't really explain to fans out there is that, yes, I gave him a heads up, but most likely – that was, uh, this might happen, but it probably won't. It wouldn't have been a definitive one, or at least from the research I did, Mark did not get that feeling that it was definitive he was going to be moved. I don't have any doubt they talked about it, but, you know, to the to the veracity of that conversation, I can't speak. I wasn't there. I know Mark was shocked. I know he was disappointed. I'm happy he's going to continue on and play. I think that's best for him. Um you know, you just you, it, nowadays it's not uncommon for things to leak and players to find out improper ways that they should. This is a really tough business, uh, but there's nothing worse than when you don't hear from the club first about being moved. And I know things leak, uh, but it's 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 been going on for a long time. It's not unique. I I had a client when I was an agent. I called him to tell him he was traded, and he had no idea. He hadn't heard from the club, and he was shocked. So with a guy of Mark andre Fleury's ilk, you would like to think. And I had this with, uh, I traded Mark Recchi. When I was in Tampa, and I went to Mark, and I told him what was going on and said, look, and, and I was 100% transparent. Can't guarantee him he was going to get traded, but when you're saying 80% chance, you're kind of telling the guy he's going to get traded. So all I did was say, look, these are the teams. Tell me what you think. I picked the best team for him. I'm not sure if that was a good decision or a bad decision by me. I felt like Mark had earned that respect in the league. He went to the Boston Bruins, eventually won a Stanley Cup. There was another team. It was a good trade. A number, yeah, there, there was another team, a number of teams that were offering a different package that was better than what, what we got. But I did not want to do that to him. Now, people can decide now, well, you're just stupid. You should have got the best offer, and that's your job. It's a fine line to how you treat veteran players. They remember, they talk, and it defines who you are as a culture. Brian, we're going to go from one Brian to another. Brian Burke is joining us here in Red Deer. Uh, but uh, have a great break in the uh, summer. And uh, hopefully we can hook up with uh, something with you here uh, in the fall and renew our ongoing relationship over the last couple of years. We love having you on the show, Brian. Uh, Love being on the show. Love the fans in Edmonton. Whenever I say anything they don't like, they let me know. I love that. Great stuff. That is Brian Lawton, and we go from uh, Brian Lawton, the former general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning from the NHL Network, uh, to the president of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And for the better part of three seasons, a big part of our show uh, was also in a senior management role at the Calgary Flames, the Vancouver Canucks, the Toronto Maple Leafs. We welcome back to Winners Now, Brian Burke. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? I see you again, Bob. Yeah, we had a good time last night. Uh, You told a couple stories, and we're here, first of all, at the Battle 
Battle of Alberta Golf Tournament, the Red Deer Golf and Country Club for the Children's Advocacy Centre uh, here in Red Deer, and it's a, it's a terrific uh, event. Uh, it's got both organizations involved, and I, that doesn't surprise you that uh, the Oilers and the Flames have stepped up and, and uh, th- this thing has gone as well as it's gone. Sorry, I got some allergy trouble here, Bob. Um, no, it doesn't surprise me. Allergic to the media, I you believe. Can, <laughs> you can despise each other on the ice and still do lots of good things off the ice. This advocacy center is groundbreaking on the planet. It's not just groundbreaking in Alberta. What Sheldon Kennedy has, has set up here is truly defining how police work is handled across the globe. So to be part of this today, they asked me to come back. I'm like, yeah. Go on and do toast to the town in Edmonton tomorrow night. That'll be fun with my dear friend Kevin Lowe. We're not going to fight. Um, but this is a magical two days for me, so great to be here. Uh, we had some fun last night, and I know you shared some thoughts uh, with the 400 or so. How about that 400 people at an event uh, in uh, in Red Deer last night? But you shared some thoughts on, on how much you've enjoyed your time in the province of Alberta. Uh, now, you were based in Calgary, but we've had you on our show over the last few years as well, and you have a real appreciation for Alberta, don't you? Well, I always loved coming here and playing here. I remember... I came here for the 1988 Winter Olympics in Calgary. I remember we rented a house, and we were sitting on a light rail station waiting for a cab. And I said to Pat Quinn, I said, it would be a dream to work here someday. And he said, maybe, maybe someday. And I ended up getting to be the GM there, president of hockey operations there. It was so cool. But I was shocked. Uh, Not shocked. That's the wrong word. I was so impressed with how nice people are in Alberta. And then I got to do the show with you. I got to know Edmonton a little better, followed the team more closely. And I feel so fortunate I lived in Alberta for five years. And I said this all in my book. This is right. BS because I'm on the Bob Stoffer show. This is all in my book. I loved it. I loved it. It was my favorite place to live of all the places I've lived. Well, uh, you're scoring points. Uh, it's it's the Oilers Now show with uh, a loudmouth named Bob Stoffer. Uh, Pittsburgh. You, you, you told me it was a Bob Stoffer show. No, I would never say that. <laughs> Actually, I would. I'll slide you the 20 later. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins. You didn't have that much cap space. You made a couple subtle additions. Uh, you got some key decisions coming up uh, with your organization, uh, but you've been in, in the job now basically since, what, was it February? Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, since February. Uh, you and Ron Hextall in tandem. What are you, what are you, what are you seeing in Pittsburgh? And, and I, I know you, you had some limitations to start at least. You might have a little bit more cap space next year, but how did you think it went overall? Well, we won our division. When we got there, the team was out of the playoffs. I think we're in seventh place in our division. And not because of us, but just the team snapped to it, and we got quality goaltending and won our, won our division. We lost in the first round of the Islanders. We think we outplayed them for very substantial portions of that playoff series. We needed better goaltending than we got. That being said, Tristan Jari is our goalie. We love him. Um, if you look at Marc-Andre Fleury's first couple of playoffs, they were pretty subpar. This is what young goalies go through in their learning curve. We think Tristan Jari is going to be just fine. But uh, we like our team. We got some key pieces. Uh, you're right. We had no cap room, so we shopped at Kmart, not at Nordstrom's. Right. But you can get some pretty good values at Kmart, and we're pretty happy with Brock McGinn and Danton Hainan. Well, I know Heinen in particular. I reached, Heinen, yeah, I, I reached out to Elaine Waugh about him, and just because I was thinking, I, you know, if Edmonton didn't end up getting Fogle, I thought that might make he might be a guy that makes some sense as a third line left wing. Uh, Brian, you you missed out. Uh, but on Sidney Crosby by that much 
uh, in the 2005 draft. Uh, he ended up getting Bobby Ryan number two. He scored he had four straight 30-goal seasons for Anaheim. The problem was that was after you'd left Anaheim uh, for a couple of those Thanks, years. Bob. Thanks, Bob. Yep. Thanks for bringing that up. You did win a cup, <laughs> Brian, in Anaheim. That's one more cup than I'll ever win as a GM. I, I drafted all these guys that had their best years after I was gone. The Twins, Kessler, Bieksa. Bobby Ryan, they all had their best years after I left. And not only that, the Twins hounded me. Wherever I went, they would show up in my building and, and thump me. I remember one night in Toronto, I think they had seven points between them. I remember I saw them afterwards. I said, really? I, I brought you guys over. You really have to do that here? Um, no, it's to get Sid Crosby, we lost in the lottery in 05. We came in second. We drafted Bobby Ryan, who had a great career. Um, no lament there, but... You know, Sid was a generational player, I mean. And now I finally got him, and I can see why all the things that I've known all these years I get to watch firsthand. First guy on the ice for practice, hardest worker. His attention to detail in practice is unbelievable. He drives the whole group. Just a joy to be around. And his compete level on the ice is everything I saw and more. Is there a guy in Pittsburgh that maybe surprised you? Like, not that you didn't know the players, but maybe a guy that, you, geez, I didn't realize this guy, you know, I watched Pittsburgh a bit, you'd focus on Crosby or Malkin or, you know, Latang, but was is there somebody else there that kind of surprised you with how good of a player he is? I would say Tristan Jari, who was excellent for us, and I would say Brian Dumoulin. Brian Dumoulin's an elite defender. I knew he was a good player, but he's an elite defender. Yeah, and when he was out of the lineup, that's when the Very Penguins, terrible, you guys yeah. were in trouble. Uh, one final one for, so what, so you've come out to, to Western Canada for the, the event, uh, last night and today. Uh, you don't golf. We share that in common. I don't golf. I'm so glad that bug never bit me. Like, I, I've talked to these guys that golf. Like, I used to be in Vancouver and Pat Quinn would go golfing. I'd say, how was it, Pat? He said, I, I sucked. And then, like, every 20th time, he would have a good round. So it's like one one day out of 20, Steve Tamalini, Dave Nonis, Darcy Rota. Well, Darcy had more than one because he was a really good golfer. But one good round out of 20, I'm like, I should have stayed married. Yeah. Those are the same odds. <laughs> oh, my wife, a glutton for punishment. It's only happened once there, right? Hey, look, we you, you purposely came down to join us here because you're not on the course. I appreciate the time. We're going to have some fun tonight. Uh, and again, uh, I think you and me are doing one of the uh, uh, one of the hot stoves. Stop for show tomorrow. And, 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 and then uh, tomorrow it's it's Kevin Lowe and you, uh, Ron McLean in town. Well, I'm going to give it anyone who wants to tune in. I'm going to give it to Kevin like you can't believe. Oh, I'm telling you, people are going to be ready for that. We appreciate you coming down, Brian. Thanks. That is the president of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, and for two and a half seasons on Oilers now, one of our featured guests, we went back-to-back, Brian's Brian Lott and Brian Burke. will head off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, still in the second hour of the show, an extended conversation with Sheldon Kennedy as well as John Shannon. We'll get to text of yours as well. We'll also hear from Oilers defenseman Evan Bouchard from the Red Deer Golf and Country Club at the Battle of Alberta Golf Tournament for the Central Alberta uh, Children's Advocacy Center. Bob Stoffer joining you along with Angie Quinnell live off to Global News Weather Traffic Update, Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.